0: bread with brilliant babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. This is our first time recording an episode where my guest and I are in two different places. So in today's episode, we're chatting with Kendra Bean, who joins us from foggy England. So hi, Kendra.
1: Hi. It's freezing here.
0: (laughs) I see that you're wearing a beanie (laughs) indoors. Yeah. (laughs) Um, thanks for being on the show Um, for any first time listeners out there our purpose here is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things I typically invite them into my home cook a meal and then we eat together and chat about our careers and how they got where they are today but in lieu of sharing a meal with Kendra I'm drinking a London Fog this morning
1: I'm drinking a Bailey hot chocolate actually oh nice
0: it's happy hour. <laughs> yeah. So Kendra is an author, film historian, and museum curator. She's written two books, Vivian Lee, An Intimate Portrait, and co-wrote Ava Gardner, A Life in Movies with Anthony Uzarowski. She's also the founder of VivianLarry.com, which has quite a large classic film fan following. You've recently also done a lot of interesting work at museums, Around England, so can you share a little about what you're currently doing and your career history up until this point? Sounds like you've done a lot. Yeah,
1: so, <laughs> um, I I kind of feel like properly getting into my career in museum right now because I made a kind of shift a few years ago. Um, I did my undergrad at UC Irvine with Tatiana Woohoo! in film study, and. <laughs> Um, then took a few years off and then went and did a grad program in film studies in London. So that's how I came to the UK. But uh, my main sort of goal at the time was to be a film historian and to possibly work in a film archive, like at the BFI, because I'm not really into film production, but I am really into history and archives and digging through old things and trying to find stories. But it's a very difficult industry to get into, I think, in any capacity, It was a struggle trying to find work in that area and uh, sort of coincided with me doing this book on Vivian Lee, which is very much like a, a, it came out of a hobby that I have for collecting and doing the whole VivianLarry.com website. When the Vivian Lee book was published, I uh, was invited to come and do an internship at the National Portrait Gallery in London with a person called Terence Pepper. He was the former head of photographs at the Portrait Gallery, and they were doing an exhibition on Vivian for her 100th birthday in 2013. And so working there and sort of getting this look behind the scenes at what goes on in a museum made me think that actually this is where I can see myself working in a job like this. So I went back and got another degree in museum studies, which I finished last year, And, um, now I just started this new job at the National Science and Media Museum up in a town called Bradford in the North of England in Yorkshire. And, um, it's actually my first like permanent museum job, permanent paid museum job. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like I'm just kind of getting started on this, but it's really exciting. because I'm having a lot Mm -hmm. of fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I just want to note that for the readers who don't know, Kendra and I used to be roommates um right after college and i think one of the things that's still f- super fascinating and like impressive to me is i still have this memory of us sitting on the couch watching like the history channel or tcm and seeing like you know like a talking head or someone being interviewed you know with their name at the bottom and film historian and i remember you saying just really casually like how do I get that job and now <laughs> you you kind of have that job and like you are that person and I think that's super cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah it is pretty cool like yeah. it's
1: something I never thought mm-hmm. would happen. Uh, yeah. It's been pretty amazing and also really nerve-wracking but sure <laughs> you know it's kind of like one of those imposter syndrome kind of things like they're gonna find me out like I don't really know what I'm talking about but um <laughs> Yeah, no, really fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I guess so. You were just saying that you feel like you're just breaking into the like the museum industry right now. But as far as becoming, you know, you created a uh, like a kind of a fan website for Vivian Lee and Lawrence Olivier. Is there ever a point where you felt like you became a Vivian Larry expert? Or because I felt I feel like that happened pretty quickly, or is it just because you were the like maybe the only one who had a website? How did how did that
1: work? Yeah, I mean, I still, to be honest, don't think I don't think of myself as like an a "quote unquote" expert, even though mm-hmm. I've done a book and lots of writing and TV and stuff like that. So I guess mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I am, but I, I don't go around being like, "Hi, I'm Vivian, the Vivian <laughs> expert." Sure. Things are hard to do. Um, do for myself is to be known as a film historian mm-hmm. in general and not just like the Vivian Lee lady, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in terms of that whole topic and being really interested in it and, and gaining expertise in that area, it's been a hobby of mine for a really long time. Um, I think. With the Wind, which is obviously Vivian's most famous film, really sort of changed my life in a non cliche way because it opened my knowledge of classic cinema in general and put me on this path of doing film studies in school. Like I didn't know you could even study that as a major in college mm-hmm. um, until I was in college I said, Oh my god, yeah, I'll do this. It's amazing. Came out of me starting my own collection and collecting all these things and seeing a lot of her films and reading books about her and Laurence Olivier and their famous friends and it sort of branched out from there and I wanted to sort of teach myself web design back in the days of HTML like for PHP and things like that so it was like really basic when I first started which you might remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And it just sort of snowballed from there because I wanted it to be something where I could share the things that I was collecting and hopefully meet other people who are interested in the same topic. Because one thing I found, and I'm sure it's true for a lot of other old movie fans, is that in real life, I didn't really know anyone else who was that interested in old movies (laughs) and not in Vivian Lee or Gone with the Wind or any of those films. So, um, it was a way for me to connect with people who are also like passionate about that subject and it's really taken off from there. I mean, it's led to so many things and meeting so many amazing people. So that's really great. And I I do feel really lucky that people kind of, I think, see me as someone who is an expert in that field because Mm -hmm. it's an interesting topic and I love talking about it. It could go on forever, really. (laughs)
0: Um, so (laughs) earlier you mentioned one of your first experiences working in a museum was with, uh, Terrence Pepper at the National Portrait Gallery. And I'm just wondering, um, I don't know if that this this question relates to that relationship, but in your, in your career, did you have a mentor and are you a mentor to others?
1: Well, I definitely think Terrence has been that person for me. He's extremely generous and he's extremely knowledgeable, about museums in general, but also about photography history and what it's like to be a curator. And I found that he's been so kind and sort of took me under his wing. And I, I since learned that I'm not the only person he's done that to. So I'm not that special in retrospect. (laughs) But um, I felt like it's been a really like, great relationship. I really look up to him in a professional way. Um, He's extremely nice. And he's always sharing things. And And one thing I really love about Terence is his willingness to kind of engage with people outside of the museum sector, because I think a lot of times when you are a curator or you are an academic or whatever, it can be very insulating. Like you you stay in this little bubble and everything outside of that is kind of like, oh, well that's not, you know, that's not academic or that's not, you know, historical or museum related or whatever. But he's very willing and I think eager to engage with and people who are just interested in the things that he's interested in, which is pop culture mostly and history and he's built this entire network of friends outside of museums that has enriched, I think, his knowledge and his interest in these subjects but also it's really helped people like me to become interested in those things as well. So I've learned so much from him and he Mm -hmm. is so great. I love Terrence. Terrence, if you're listening, (laughs) you're amazing.
0: Yeah, And I agree, because I met him at your wedding, but I actually met him before your wedding when I went to the Fashion and Textiles Museum, (laughs) and I didn't realize he was talking, and, like, I went into this room, and I saw him, and I've seen him on your Instagram before, so I kind of just creepily walked up to him, and I was like, excuse me, are you Terrence Pepper? (laughs) And he was like, yes, and he was so nice. He's Um, so nice. Yeah, and he, like, gave me a tour of the museum and stuff. It was
1: super cool. (laughs) that's my parents yeah yeah well I I don't know if I am that if I'm a mentor to anyone else I don't know if anyone sees me that way but um I would like to be if anyone's interested I don't know <laughs> <laughs> send her an One email ball. Yeah.
0: I mean yeah <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the the opportunity is just gonna kind of happen naturally like you know as you Um, get further along in your museum career specifically but like I'm sure like after I mean maybe after this airs there might be a lot of people who have questions about you know how to get a book published because that seems like a really um, intimidating journey to to go down like um, because you mostly hear about people self-publishing things just because it's so difficult to find a publisher and stuff. So um, I imagine, like, you have a lot of advice to give there for future mentees. (laughs) um, So all of these things so far sound amazing. But uh, one of the things I like to talk about on this show is kind of, you know, the moments where we fail or, you know, have uh, experience um, things that are upsetting because I think, a really important part of anyone's career is falling and then like getting back up again. So in your career so far, what was your biggest obstacle or shittiest moment that you can remember?
1: I mean, because I'm so new at museums, I don't really have a shitty moment to talk about. But in mm-hmm. terms of being an author and doing a couple of books, there have been some really big hurt- hurdles that have been upsetting or really kind of emotional in doing this. And it's mostly getting access to things. Because our Mm -hmm. biography is nonfiction, I sort of have to like liaise with a lot of different people who control certain things. So like people who are in charge of a famous person's estate, for example, Mm -hmm. and they... You know, I have the power to give or revoke permission to use things, or, you know, not being able to get through to someone when I felt it was really important to do so, and just feeling like, not that I didn't know what I was doing, but just that, you know, I, I felt like, oh, if I could just talk to this person in person and not through like a third party, then they would see that I'm really serious about it and they would, you know, allow me access to certain things. So um, I think with both books, there have been moments that were just like oh my god like why am i even doing this you know like with mm-hmm. vivian lee i think it was it was a struggle to get published to begin with um, because i think a lot of publishers are sort of shying away from celebrity biographies mm-hmm. right now because the market apparently isn't as strong for those as it once was and so it was difficult to get vivian off the ground especially because i was a new author and mm-hmm. I'd never published a book before, so I didn't have this, like, cachet behind me, you know, where I could just sell a book on my name or anything like that. But, um, yeah, with Vivian, I had to literally get on the phone and convince my publisher that this book needed to happen, and it really struck me as like, why do I need to get on the phone and convince someone of this? Isn't it obvious, you know, <laughs> and it's just, you know, there were a lot in publishing. It's really difficult because, um, you do get doors shut in your face. You do get people saying, no, it's not just like you have this idea and all of a sudden it comes to fruition. It's this magical thing. Like it's a long, hard slog and some people never make it. And I think I'm really fortunate that I have had one and a half books published mm-hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. And then with the Ava Gardner book, like I mentioned, it was really, um, Auntie and I had this really difficult time with the Ava Gardner estate in North Carolina, where um, the person who formerly worked there was on some kind of, like, really weird power trip, and was telling us that we couldn't do the book without clearing everything through her, and it was just like, are you kidding? Like, (laughs) what is going on? And we were afraid at one point that our publisher would actually drop the book, because, um, it had gotten to the point where, like, lawyers were involved. I don't know how much money running press spent, but it was very, it was very frustrating. I think sucked mm. a lot of the joy out of that project. Mm. So yeah. that was a shitty moment. But yeah. on the flip side, both books are out now, yeah. and I'm really proud of them. And so I think perseverance is the key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and they're beautiful books. Um, my oh. mom, my mom is also a big fan of both of the books. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Um, (laughs) So going to the opposite end of spectrum from your shittiest moment, what has been your biggest opportunity so far or your best moment?
1: Uh, I think, yeah, doing two books has been really big. That's been great. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity a few years back to, as I said, work with Terrence Pepper and the people at the National Portrait Gallery to do an exhibition about Vivian Lee. And that was amazing for me because they credited me as co-curator. And that was so mm-hmm. exciting like to have my name on the wall as like, someone who's, you know, who helped out with this in a real like capacity. So that was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having curated a couple of exhibitions since then smaller museums has been really exciting. Mm -hmm. I did one um, on the history of Bethlehem Royal Hospital in South London, which is the world's oldest psychiatric hospital. They have this amazing collection and I did a work placement there during my museum studies program. So I got to curate an exhibition there. Yeah, just getting to go around and, like, give lectures on film Mm -hmm. and whatever else has been, it's just been really fun. Yeah, and it's been fun to watch, too, from afar. Or in
0: person, like, when you came to the Walt Disney Family Museum (laughs) in San Francisco, that was really fun. The next segment of the show is where I like to talk about what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work related. So in your case, it's kind of interesting because we were talking before this call about you know how maybe you think you don't have any hidden talents, but I think you're unique in that you've turned your hobbies per se into your career. So that's really awesome. And one of the things that you've started doing, I know you have like a a new Instagram account for it, but you started bullet journaling, which is like, do you want to kind of explain what bullet journaling is?
1: Yeah, so bullet journaling is this concept where it's like a planner, a diary and an art journal all rolled into one. You can make it as simple or as complicated or as artsy or as, you know, minimalist as you want to. And I got into it because I'm obsessed with office supplies. Like I'm not even joking, like back to school time is my favorite time of year. Like I'm not in school anymore, but I love going to buy like pens and notebooks and all that sort of thing. Um, And I'd always kept a diary like on and off throughout my life. But um, I discovered this thing called bullet journal. Or a BuzzFeed article, and I looked at and I said, "Oh my god!" Like I'm, I'm gonna try this and try and stick with it. And I've been doing it for over a year now. But basically, there's a huge community of bullet journals on Instagram, and some of these people are extremely artistically talented. And so to watch them do videos and to see their posts of how they they put together their monthly spreads and you know their their weekly like calendars and things like that, it's just It's so inspirational and I look at these things and go, oh my gosh, I really just want to try what they're doing and see if I can, I don't know, mine any hidden artistic ability that I may or may not have. I don't know. (laughs) So far, I don't think I have that much, but it's fun just trying it and getting stickers and all those fun things on Etsy to put into it I just mm-hmm. I'm having so much fun with it I just love it you mm-hmm. know because it really just taps into my want to try and stay organized with my love for stationery yeah it combines it
0: yeah. yeah and I think it's it's kind of cool and fun because in in the time that I've known you like you've never been a crafty person because <laughs> I that's usually me, but...
1: I know, you're the crafty one. I'm like, I'm always like, oh, Tatiana's so crafty. Or, oh, Amy Walton, our mutual friend. Oh, she's yeah. so crafty, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I'm just, I wish I were crafty, but then I buy these things and I try and be crafty and I just quit after like five minutes because I don't have the inspiration or the time. I'm yeah. not seeing instant results, so... Yeah,
0: right, <laughs> but yeah, your bullet journal pages are really cool. So yeah, like Kendra was saying, you can, you can use them to organize your life you can use them to just write or draw about different memories and different events and things so it's like yeah it's like half diary or part diary part planner part scrapbooking and like I could never get into scrapbooking because it just seems like there's just so much stuff you have to have and it's really expensive But I really, like, I start, I have a a. I have, like, tons of notebooks, but I turned one of them into, like, a noob bullet journal. And so, so far, I've only made the one chart that I Instagrammed, which was for my half marathon, just to keep track of, like, my, like, workouts and stuff. Yeah. Um. But that was really fun, and I, like, looked forward to filling it out every week, so... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> So
1: yeah, I, was- I, I've been, I kind of fell off the wagon with it in the past couple of months just mm-hmm. because like moving house and going on honeymoon and everything and starting a new job, like mm-hmm. I just haven't been tuned into doing it, but I think i will get back into it this month. I think yeah. and definitely a new, brand new gold bullet oh, journal already. Wow. Dangling. But yeah, I know it's exciting. So I track things <laughs> like my sleeping habits, um, which is important to me. I like to see how well or not well I sleep. Um, like taking medication every day and just like little habits that I have that I want to do every day, like vitamins, reading a book, um, working on whatever project I'm doing mm-hmm. and just seeing how well I stick to certain things like goals I set out at the beginning of the month or at the beginning of the week, mm-hmm. tracking like how much water I drink and things like that. And it's just a good way to kind of have a homemade planner and get to decorate it with all these fun things, but also have it like be a diary at the same time Mm -hmm. and you can really just do whatever you want with it so it's just there's there are no real rules you know but there's a really cool community nice people very into it on Instagram and I completely recommend it if you're into that sort of thing Mm -hmm. So
0: now we're gonna dive into some listener questions that we have most of them are film related. Uh so the first one is a quick, quick and dirty question, but what is your least favorite movie and why? That's actually really
1: hard. Yeah, um, it is.
0: Because you don't think about the movies that I, you don't like.
1: You know what movie well, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite movie, but it's a movie I think is overrated. And people who if anyone's listening from the classic film community, they'll probably crucify me and like never talk to me again, but I think Citizen Kane is so overrated. Get it out of my face. I mean, <laughs> don't get it out of my face. But it's, it's it's one of those movies where I feel like, yes, I understand the technical aspects of it. Mm. Yes, Greg Tolan it is his deep focus photography, great. But it's always touted as the greatest Hollywood film. I'm like, really? The greatest? Like, how do you measure that? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely many more movies that I enjoy much more than Citizen Kane, so I don't know what kind of criteria people use yeah. to grade those or why no one's ever asked me about it. Sorry, Orson. R.I.P. Sorry, Orson.
0: Um. <laughs> so another... <laughs> Um, actually, so I'll ask this question and then the two last questions are museum related. So we'll kind of do this in a, a little bit of an order. But so this question is from, from a listener who might be me, <laughs> I also <laughs> count myself as a listener, <laughs> but so I'm, um, kind of a weirdo when it comes to meeting my idols. Um, I met John Waters once and I just kind of stared at him and giggled while he chatted like a normal amazing human being. Um, And in your career so far, I imagine you've come into contact with a lot of classic film stars or people in that industry that you look up to. So have you met anyone who has made you feel starstruck and speechless?
1: Okay, so I have a story about meeting Lauren Bacall, R.I.P. Uh-huh. This was, when, 12 years ago? I think it was junior year of college, so my first year at UC Irvine. And my roommate at the time, Alejandra, and I decided to drive up to Hollywood, book Soup in Hollywood, to meet Lauren Bacall who was um, signing copies of her autobiography by myself and then some. So it's like the reissue of her autobiography. Uh-huh. And Lauren McCall was this huge star back in the 40s and 50s. She was married to Humphrey Bogart. She was like this super like sexy model from Harper's Bazaar and everything. Then she came to Hollywood and became this big, you know, sensation in Hollywood and I had read the book I enjoyed the book very much I was standing in line I was so excited to meet her and I had this plan in my head to say something like oh Lauren Bacall I think you're really great I love you and bogey thanks for signing my book so I get up there to the front of the line and the two people I was with they had done something similar and she was like oh thank you sweetie you know like really nice and I get up there and I completely freeze and I'm like (laughs) oh my god what do I say and the first thing that comes to my mind, like, because of course it would. I was like, you knew Larry and Vivian talking about Lawrence, Olivia and Vivian <laughs> Lee. Cause I knew they were friends. She was like, she looked at me and she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, the Olivier's you knew them. I was like so nervous. I was like, the Olivier's you knew them. And she said, she said, I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> Had to like lean down and sort of whisper in her ear, like, oh, and Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier, that's what she's talking about. And she's like, oh, yes, we were good friends. And I was just said, okay. I just like turned around and walked off. And my friends were just laughing at me so hard. And I said, I just completely blew it with Lauren Bacall, film legend. Like, <laughs> that's all, like, that's what came to my head, really. You know, she probably wanted to call security on me, to be honest. And then the people who were behind me got up there. And uh, she said, well, I just couldn't understand what she was saying because she was smiling so much. <laughs> and this guy was like, oh, she was just really excited to meet you. And I'm like, yeah, I was really excited to meet you, Lauren Bacall." Oh. you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. Does she still... But I laugh about it now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so our next two questions are museum related. So the first... Okay. <laughs> the first one is, they're both kind of really funny, but the first one is... The first one is, do you guys wear suits and a badge when you work in a museum, like special agents?
1: Is this a question from Kathy Nguyen?
0: (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: Now Kathy Yates.
0: Hi, (laughs) Kathy.
1: (laughs) Hi, Kathy. (laughs) Classic. Um, The answer is no. Uh, No one in my department or any of the behind the scenes people wears a uniform except for the learning team and people who are like public facing on the floor of the museum so the people they're called explainers they basically talk to kids and families who come into the museum and they explain the the special exhibits or do workshops and things like that and they get to wear cool t-shirts that say explainer Mm -hmm. on the back but no i i don't wear a uniform at work or a, suit specifically. <laughs> or a suit specifically
0: um and then her next question because now we're just putting her on blast is do you guys has, have a list of banned museum goers like stalkers of the arts <laughs>
1: um that's a good question i am i'm not actually sure Mm -hmm. there might very well be a list of people who they don't let into the museum but I've never seen it but then again I've only been there for about six weeks so Mm -hmm. maybe one day I will discover it but yeah Kathy I'm really not sure I'm sorry yeah well
0: I'm sure like on a serious note because like museums tend to house a lot of really valuable things so I'm sure there's like a I'm sure your security is pretty stiff like downstairs and they're like have a list of people that you probably don't have yeah, access to.
1: I, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, security is definitely a, a risk in museums. That's something that has to be thought about when putting on mm-hmm. exhibitions and anything. Cause you know, especially in like big art museums and stuff where people pull heists and things like that. I don't mm-hmm. know if any heists have ever happened at the national science and media museum, but <laughs> they do have a lot of really cool things there that, you know, someone might be interested in. I'm not sure. sure. But, um, uh, yeah, um, I, I just don't know about um, a list of people, but it might be true. Yeah. So just just
0: don't get on the list, Kathy. Maybe that's Don't get on the list,
1: Kathy. <laughs> I got my eye on you. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, that concludes our listener questions. So thanks everyone who submitted a question. Um my next question is something I like to ask everyone, um, and this doesn't have to be like career related, but what are you looking forward to this week?
1: Hmm. Um, I'm actually looking forward to going down to London this week I'm going on Thursday to do um, a lunchtime lecture about Ava Gardner at the Portrait Gallery with Anthony Muzarowski mm-hmm. and that should be really fun and then he's coming up here for a visit and we're going up to Castle Howard in York which is one of my favourite stately homes in England and we're going to go mm. see the Christmas decorations it should be really really fun and really nice Yeah. so that's what I'm looking forward to
0: cool awesome so before we end the episode, is there anything you want to plug? Um, I imagine possibly
1: your Ava Gardner book and any websites that you want to talk about? So if you're into old movies or if you just want to support authors in general, please go to your local bookstore or Amazon. guess, I'm going to say Amazon. Um, and buy Ava A Life in Movies. It is $30, I think, in the US, $20 in the UK, and it makes a really good Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. It will look good on anyone's shelf or your coffee table. It's got amazing photos in it, and she's got a really interesting story. So uh, hopefully, people will be interested in that. And if you're also into Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier, check out my website, vivandlarry.com, and its new Instagram page at Graham. Okay? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Um. so Kendra thank you again for being on the show this has been a lot of fun
1: thanks for having me
0: to learn more about Kendra Bean and her books and the museum work she's doing head over to our website brilliantbabespodcast.com where you can check out all the links I'll have everything listed and you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Well, thanks again, Kendra, and take care, everyone.
1: Thanks, Tati.